This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, everyone. This is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, host. the creator of Destination Debbie, Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. You know what comes next. Drop the music. Jeb, 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 Debbie! I've talked about this many, many, many times on this podcast. The goal in Dynasty, the goal is to have a team that is competitive now and in the future. It is to build your team for short and long-term success. That's the goal. We want to compete every single year in Dynasty. We want to win the ship. We want to win the ship. But we also want to be good next year, in the year after that, in the year after that. We want that dynasty. We want that powerhouse. We want that team that is always ready to take home the trophy or bring home the pot of money at the end of the season. And I get it. There are some strategies out there where you start up, even in those strategies where you say, I'm building with youth. I'm building with youth. I'm, I'm punting. I want all the rookies. I want to build with youth. Even if you do that, you've got a plan in mind. You've got a goal to dominate your league in the near future. And I, and I say this so many times to people on Twitter, on the show, on other shows. Dynasty is chess, not checkers. If you're out there just making short-sighted moves and leveraging everything to win it all and not putting your team in position to be good, in subsequent years, well, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. And for those of you out there who don't like college football, I, I just can't believe that's a real thing, but you don't like college. You don't play in Debbie leagues. You don't pay attention to anything college related. You do all your scouting in February and March Well, you're doing yourself a disservice. You are doing yourself a disservice. I urge you I urge you to play in one Devi League. If you, if you enjoy Dynasty, if you're listening to the show, you participate in Devi. 
or you're listening because you want to get some tips for your upcoming rookie draft, which is fine as well. This information is still applicable to you. But I urge you to participate in a Debbie League. And if at worst you don't want to do that because you're in too many leagues, whatever the case may be, then follow people who do. Because by doing that, you get a leg up on your league mates. You know that in 2022, there's a quarterback out of the University of North Carolina, Sam Howell, who I am telling you right now, in Superflex format, should be the 101. I know there's Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels. Sam Howell is a stud. So during your rookie drafts this year, when people are trading away, trading back, trading up, you can go out there and ask that owner, ah, throw in a 2022 first. For that individual, that 2022 pick means absolutely nothing. For 95% of people, they're not even thinking, they couldn't name you 10 prospects who would potentially be in the 2022 class. But when you listen to the DDP, you know Sam Howell is coming. You know Bo Nix is coming. You know there are some freshman stud running backs like Zach Charbonnet. You know these people are coming. You know Brees Hall is right there. That's the chess part of this, right? That's how you get better. You, you, when 2021 rolls around and people are starting to sniff around for those 2022 picks for the upcoming rookie draft that next spring, you got four or five of them, those bad boys loaded on your roster, ready to roll. That's how you do it. That is how you dynasty right there. I got an opportunity to talk to one of the more talented people in this industry. He's got the smoothest voice. I know you like mine, but man, Curtis Patrick knows his stuff. Dynasty Command Center, Roto-Viz. This guy knows how to dynasty. He participates in Debbie Leagues. He follows the college game. He's an experienced dynasty manager. High stakes leagues, fun leagues, home leagues, all kinds of leagues. So in this interview, we dive into topics to help you be a better dynasty player and hopefully spark some interest to get you in a Debbie league. So without further ado, let's welcome the guest to the DDP, Curtis Patrick. All right. I am so excited to talk to this guest today. Um, he is an industry staple. If you don't know the name, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've been doing. I don't know how you've been playing Dynasty if you have not heard the name Curtis Patrick. He is the co-owner, chief brand officer at RotoViz. He's the co-founder of the Dynasty Command Center website, DynastyCommandCenter.com, co-host of the Dynasty Command Center podcast with Travis May. But once again, who, who doesn't know Curtis Patrick? But we've got him on the DDP. And, you know, at first I was a little surprised, like, oh my gosh, Curtis Patrick is jumping on this, but it's the best damn Debbie podcast in the world. So why wouldn't Curtis Patrick want to be on the show? So welcome to the DDP, my man. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah. I think what your listeners aren't, are, you know, don't know is that I had DMs in your box for probably like six months that you weren't answering, asking to come on this thing. And so, I mean, I, you know, this could have happened a lot sooner, Ray, if you were just checking your DMs. 
Hey, I get so many of these DMs, man. I just, it's hard to keep up. It's hard to keep up. No, I'm, I, I truly am uh, appreciative and excited to talk to you tonight. And uh, a lot of times you come on shows and people like, tell us who you are, how you got in the industry. Uh, we, we don't do that here. We do things a little bit different. So I wanted to start off the show tonight asking you a couple of questions, all right? And the first one, I've got to set this up because uh, Ryan McDowell invited me to one of his kitchen sink leagues. Uh, before the season started. And, uh, you know, the new guy that jumps in the league, everybody's like, let's trade this guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. And Curtis, we made a trade. We made a trade way back when. And uh, I gave up DeAndre Hopkins. You got Nuke. And then I got uh, Keontae Ingram running back out of Texas, Rondell Moore, uh, wide receiver out of Purdue, and then DJ Moore, wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers. I just want to ask you, how you feeling about that deal today, Curtis? You still feel good about that one? Yeah, I feel good right now. I mean, probably in like two years, I'm not going to like it. Uh, but I mean, that's that's what you have to do in a Devi league. I mean, the Devi assets they're not worth the full premium until you know they realize their NFL value. And so I was in a spot where you know I had a playoff caliber team this year. Hopkins production this year, the next year or two was worth worth more to me than the potential future production of, of Keontae Ingram, who I actually really like. I uh, still really like having him ranked highly. And, uh, man, Rondo Moore, he's going to be one of those guys. <laughs> this, this is just a blue chipper. So, um, yeah, like if I come back on next year around this time, don't ask me then. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, today, I, I mean, I would view that basically as trading, you know, something like two and a half first for DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I think it was a good, yeah. fair trade. It made a lot of sense for you because you're kind of building. You know, you just took over a yeah. team. Made a lot of sense for me. That, that's the best kind of trade. It worked out for both of us. Absolutely. I think it was a good deal for the both of us. And uh, did you win the league? I, I really, my team was I, so bad. I don't even know. I, I didn't. I didn't win the league. Uh, I did make the playoffs, uh, but did not okay. win the league. So uh, we'll have to strap it up for 2020 and see if I can get the title this year. There we go. Well, let me ask you this question number two in startup drafts, Curtis, are you trade? Are you the trade up guy or trade back? Man, I, I just read the room. So uh, I've been both. It's more fun. It's more fun to do both actually within the context of the same draft. Uh, typically, first round or two, I like to trade back. I like to trade up into the middle rounds a lot. Um, you know, last year, the only startups I did, I think they both were FFPC leagues, and I just found myself trading up um, because there, there were so many people that wanted to trade back that it watered down the value of those, uh, you know, round one, round two guys. And I actually left, yeah. left one draft. Uh, with Alvin Kamara and Juju, um, you know, and I only gave up like a, a fourth round pick in a future first to get uh, Kamara. I had taken Juju early, and then in another league, I've got uh, how that how that work out. I think I had Zeke, uh, Tyreek, and Devontae Adams. So I mean, if you tra- if you're yeah. if you're gonna trade up, you have to go get the really high end guys to make it worth it. Otherwise, you're going to lose that roster equity too quickly. So that'd be a quick little uh, lesson, I would say. Yeah, I'm a, you know, I, I would like to say that I'm trade back guy, but it never works out like that in a lot of <laughs> leagues that I play in. They're, they're super flex formats. And I just feel like having a combination of, you know, Mahomes and Watson, Mahomes and Prescott. And, so, you know, when you've got mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, I mean, that's just such a competitive advantage, especially in six points per pass and touchdown leagues. Uh, I, I find myself trading up quite a bit. And I'm in a Debbie startup right now, it's a 24 team. Uh, two copy Debbie okay. league. And I, I, I sort of, 
I, I may have leveraged too much on those picks because the startup, uh, the rookie and Devi picks are in the startup and I got a whole bunch of these early picks, but I don't know if people are going to be willing to pay what I thought they would at the beginning. So it's sort of, um, <laughs> we'll see how it plays out, you know? Man, you're, you're in a Devi startup, a two copy Devi startup, super flex with Devi yep. picks and rookie picks in it. And it's, it's, yep. it's not even February. You're, you're, yep. you're, yeah, I know. You're, I know. you're a real one. I love that. That's great. That's who, who um, have you bought? So is it an auction or a draft? It's a draft. It's a draft. What, what do you have so yeah. far? Have you made any picks? I mean, the, the, yeah, I've made, I mean, we're almost done now. So I've got the, the rookie Devi 101, the 107, the 113. And then I've just really built around my quarterbacks. It's a, like a two and a half point tight end premium league. So I've got Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, bunch of first round startup picks, uh, Hunter Henry, uh, my main, my running backs are just, I, I'm, I'm hoping that those teams who passed on quarterbacks come up and take the, you know, yeah. trade the 101 and take Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. I've, I've sort of leveraged my future on people coming up to, to get those picks in the rookie Debbie startup. So, uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm just, I'll just tell you right now, uh, I, I don't feel good about it, but we'll see how it plays out here soon. Yeah. It, so- it sounds like you, you had a strategy in your head, but you just couldn't fully commit. I, I think that's, I think that's a pretty common thing in startups. It feels great to say, I'm going to go zero RB or I'm going to be trade back guy. And I'm going to totally tank this year. When you start looking at like, I think halfway into every startup, everyone starts filling out that starting lineup, and whether it's for this year or for next year, and it can be tempting to veer off plan. So uh, that happens to everybody. Well, I was trying to pull up because I wanted you to see this because I wanted your live reaction on air. But I had the longest wait I think I've ever seen somebody wait in a startup draft, and I'm not exaggerating, Curtis. I had a if I can find it real quick, I want you to read it. Oh, here it is. I want you to read how long my wait was uh, after like the fourth round. Does it say, it's, I th- uh, all I see is until next pick. It says 163. Was it 163 hours? Was it hours? No, no, picks. <laughs> 163 picks. Oh my gosh. That's, man, I'm not great at math. That's like what, 14, that's like 14 rounds or something like that? Curtis, it was an eternity. Oh my gosh. I had a 163 pick weight after my strategy. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, I traded up a couple of times too many. And the next thing you know, I had to wait 163 picks. Longest wait I've ever, I've ever been a part of in my career playing fantasy football. Man, with my attention span, I would have forgot I was even in that league. I would have like just timed out on every other pick. It was a week until I could pick again. But oh my goodness, uh, real quick, and you you can't straddle the fence. You got to one or the other, Curtis. Are you a film guy or are you an analytics guy? Oh, uh, of the two, definitely an analytics guy. Uh, ah. but, but but we but we can get in we can get into the nuance of that okay. later. But okay, yeah, I'll give you the answer you're All looking right. for. All right, who's better? Who's a better dynasty manager, you or Ryan McDowell? Woo! <laughs> oh man, that's. I mean, <laughs> let's go, Curtis. <laughs> that is that is t- that is tough. You know, here's what I'm going to say. I, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to defer and and say that it's Ryan. I mean, he's just got so much more experience than me at this at this point. I mean, you know, Ryan was probably playing dynasty when I was in like fifth grade, so. Um, 
you know, he better be a better manager than me at this point. But uh, it's 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 fun, man. Um, the only I think we're actually only in a division in a dynasty league. No, we were in two leagues together. Okay, so one league that we've been in together. Uh, I went to back to back titles, uh, title games in, um, and he, and won one of those titles. Uh, he did not win any titles. And then the other the other league that I'm in, he actually drafted me to be in his division to compete against him in the McDowell division of KS Five Kitchen Sink Five. And I won the division in year one. Um, and you know I'm kind of I'm kind of in like one of those playoff team. Like, am I going to mortgage the future to to really go in this year, or am I going to go ahead and hit that reset button? And he totally punted that. So he did like what you're trying to do in your Debbie draft, except he did it the whole way through. And he just he punted basically the first two years, and he just had a monster team this year. So um, he definitely can play that slow game and you know just grind the trades. And so he he definitely has more experience in these in these complex leagues. Um, so yeah, I mean I'm gonna hat I'm gonna hat tip to Ryan. I don't know how we would quantify that, but I'm gonna give the respect to the goat. Curtis, last question, man, and this really kind of gets us into the to the meat of the show. 2020 class. Versus the 2021 class, what do you got? I, I think it's pretty even at this point. To, to be honest, I mean, I think uh, I think the way I would look at these classes right now is the top is awesome. Like the top of both classes is just undeniably awesome. Um, both of them are better than 2019 was, and 2019 even gave us some guys. Um, we didn't necessarily get you know those really really elite pieces yet. But the depth came to show, and uh, and it kind of salvaged the class. So, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I don't even think I could rank them one two. It's like one A, one B. I really like the top of both classes, and and inevitably in 2021, some of those first year eligible guys are going to stay in school, and so and that's what happened this year. That's what really you know watered down the back end of the first round this year is those guys going back. I don't know if it was with the CBA or if there's more of an appreciation for winning those college football championships now, you know, probably some sort of combination of the two. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like them both. Do you have a preference of the two? I think uh, for me, I think they both provide, and this is where I, I believe each individual owner of your of your team, you've got to look at your strength and, strengths and weaknesses, right? I think the 2020 class is, is very good, uh, at the running back position, 2021 has is, is gained a boost as well. Uh, the wide receivers are, I, I kind of like, at this point in time, I kind of like 2021 a little bit better than 2020, and that's not to discredit uh, the 2020 class of wide receivers. I think that the the glaring difference for me is the tight end position. I know a lot of people, oh, I don't like the tight end, don't like the tight end, but a lot of us play in tight end premium leagues. And when you're looking at the 2021 class at the top, you've got Brevin Jordan, Kyle Pitts, Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State. I mean, those are guys who, what they look like, they've got legitimate first round NFL draft pick talent. And, you know, when, you, when you're talking about two points, uh, two and a half points per reception for the tight end position, depending on how crazy your league is, I mean, those guys are, are mismatched nightmares and they're valuable. When you're looking at the quarterbacks, I love Joe Burrow. I'm a huge fan of Tua, but there are question marks, you know, around, around Tua and his injury. And then you look at 2021 with the potential for Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Brock Purdy. And, you know, I mean, it's it, it looks really good. So, 
Um, I don't think all the panic is warranted over 2020. Like you just said, I think some of the the depth, especially at the top of in, in round one, took a little bit of a hit with ETN and Najee Harris and Tylen Wallace. But I still think the 2020 class is still very good. But if I, if I was in need of a running back, I would definitely try to get my guy uh, this year. And if I had to punt on a position, I would say, um, you know, if if you're telling me I can land a Jamar Chase or a Rondell Moore or, or Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith next year, that's all right. But, you know, you don't want to play that game because we thought for sure that Travis Etienne was going to be in this class. So uh, it's it's but that's that's Debbie, right? That's the risk that you take with these rookie picks and Debbie in general. And, you know, I, I kind of want to ask you. And and make the push for people to participate in a Devi league. Like, how do you think this can make you a better overall dynasty manager if you're not, even if you're not like the biggest college football fan, but, you know, staying ahead of the curve with potential prospects and classes? How can Devi leagues make you better in dynasty? Before I answer that question, I got to go. I got to go back and clarify because this is bugging me. I try to be respectful to Ryan. I got to I got to change my answer. Ryan, I, I, I'm going to say Ryan. Ryan's a, a more accomplished Devi player than me. I'm going to go toe to toe with him in Dynasty any day. And Ryan, you know I have love. You know I love you. And you know he was a. There's no way he's listening to the beginning of this episode and not knowing that I'm going to come back and change that answer. So anyway, Ryan and I are great friends. So he already he already knows that I'm going to do that. So anyway, um, yeah. Okay. So you want to talk about about Devi? Um, you know. There, if you're gonna play, if you're gonna play dynasty, um, if you play, if you've played in even one dynasty league and you liked it, there is no way you won't like Debbie. So that's the first thing that I'm going to say, because the whole concept of playing dynasty is you feel this connection to this. I mean, it's like an organism that you're building. I mean, you got to take care of it. You got to you got to lop the bottom off and you know get rid of the waste and bring you know some new fresh blood in and, and you know get the waiver wire going and to make those little trades. And then, you know, at the top end, those are people that you almost feel, you know, if you play a lot of dynasty, you know, you own, you know, one player across five, six teams, like you almost start rooting for that player more than your actual NFL team. If you're, if you're a real NFL fan, because you're so heavily invested. And and if you like the concept of owning this thing and, and creating it and cultivating it, and then the payoff when you win is so sweet, it's only sweeter when you start looking at those guys at the college level and you know, correctly prognosticating what they're going to be as pros, and then have it pay off in basically a different sport. Okay, at the next level, uh, it feels so great to hit on a Debbie pick. And and you know, there's there's a lot of great Debbie rankers out there. You know, ranking for Debbie is not an exact science. I mean, if it was, we wouldn't have all these people arguing about rookie draft order and rookie rankings. You know, this late in the process for the 2020 class. But what you're doing is, you know, you're starting with the 18-year-old recruits. You know, you know what are the what are the different big uh, uh, scouting houses saying about these guys? How many different blue chip schools offered them? How many offers did they get in general? Did they start getting them as a sophomore, junior, senior? You know, whatever. What did their athletic measurables look like if they played in Nike camp, or did they get invited to the Elite Eleven quarterback camp? All these different things that they they stick with somebody. And if they pop that young, you know, sometimes those things even matter, you know, agnostic of what they do as a college prospect from a production uh, standpoint. So um, that stuff's really cool. If you're somebody that likes to geek out and, and get deep on research, 
Uh, Debbie is great, but it, it's also great because if you're a college football fan, you know, I found that most people that are college football fans, you know, they've got their colors that they root for, you know, and that's it. If you play Debbie, I mean, you, you know, you're staying up till one in the morning to watch Utah versus Oregon State uh, out on the West Coast, and it is awesome. I mean, there's there's nothing better, and it's kind of, kind of the same effect that DFS has had for fantasy football, right, because of that immediate payback from week to week. There's nothing better than being able to find an easy investment in any game that you would turn on on the TV, and Debbie will do that for you on Saturday. So you want to make your Saturdays great, you're going to play Debbie. Couldn't agree more, and I know coming into 2019, I think it was back in April, and I was just beating the drum, both fists, big drumsticks for Chuba Hubbard. I had him in my top five of the 2020 class back in April. I was a bit, I saw it with Justice Hill last year. I said, this guy is going to be, he's going to explode on the scene in, in the fall of 2019. And it happened. And I was so happy because I had so much Chuba Hubbard. I mean, it's their assets that you can trade just like in a regular dynasty league. I was able to you know, there were people offering the world to get their hands on Chuba Hubbard after he's, you know, dropping 260 yards in back-to-back weeks when he's displaying that elite top-end speed. So I think it's even if you play, and, and my thing is if you play in Dynasty and you enjoy to trade, there are people who just love to trade, right? Debbie gives you like a third layer of trading because it's not only your rookie picks, it's not only your current players, you've got these college assets sitting on your taxi squad that you can leverage those for win now pieces is with NFL vets or rookie picks. It's just another uh, another component to make the game of Dynasty fun, you know? Absolutely. There's It increases the likelihood of making any trade. Um, and the other thing is, you know, everyone's got that guy in their dynasty league that just, you know, can't help himself but collect rookie picks. And his team's probably never going to get better because he's just always going to keep trading for rookie picks. And, you know, that's what he wants to do. He wants to have, like, the sexy name that everybody's talking about. He's basically collecting, you know, e-football cards. You know, he's not even trying to win the league. He's just having fun, getting himself tied to a name. Well, there are definitely guys in Devy leagues that are like that. Because when you play in a Debbie league, it's almost like the fantasy team, like the fantasy season, like playing from September to December for the trophy. Like that's secondary to all of everything that's going on. Like the college players are what bring the added level of an excitement in a Debbie league. And so um, that, you know, if you're somebody that has discipline in your approach, and, and, and even, if, even if you don't know a lot about Debbie, you go find two or three guys that you trust to do the rankings, you average their ranks, and you just use those, and you just go into that Debbie league, and you just stay principled and play fantasy the way that you play fantasy, you're probably going to have a lot of success. Because there's, I mean, I think that that principle of just collecting that, the hot names is even more rampant in Debbie leagues than in traditional dynasty leagues. Yes. Absolutely. And it that's a that's a perfect segue into strategy. And I really want to get your thoughts and opinions on this. And you can take it wherever you want to go, Curtis. But I, I always say this the 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 goal in Dynasty is to position your team for short and long-term success, right? You want to win now. You want to go for that championship unless you're taking an orphan and you know you've got to rebuild. But the the goal in a startup for most people is to win now 
but to build a team that can sustain success over a long period of time. You're always in contention. The worst place to be in Dynasty is right in the middle. You either want to be really good and competing for a championship or the hell with it. I'm punting on the season. I stink. I need to, I need to retool. So what are your overall thoughts just in Dynasty, about in Dynasty in general, just about when you're in the draft, when you're trading, when you're when you're thinking about those rookie picks, what what advice can you give listeners out there who may be starting out in in a dynasty league or starting out in a devi league? How do you how do you do that? Because it's almost impossible just to do it in the startup draft. You have to make moves throughout the season. You have to pay attention, uh, you know, with with the waiver wire. But just any kind of strategy that you can give us to be better at this game that we play. What do you got? Well, number one is just to be active. You know, that's something that we talk, we've talked about, you know, for years in Dynasty Command Center. There's very few owners that are just going to be active 12 months of, of the year. And so um, just, you know, every week, look at the waiver wire. You know, churn NFL news. You know, follow the beat writer accounts on Twitter. Or, you know, make sure that, you know, you're, you know you've got Google alerts for, you know, players uh, that have been on your radar that you don't want to forget about. Um, just those little things that, you know, can pique your own interest. And then, you know, I, I've seen, I don't necessarily do this, but it's along the same thing of, of being active. You know, I know go, Dwayne Brown kind of comes to mind, but there's others that, that do this, you know, just offering trades for the sake of, of offering trades, just to keep the overall engagement level and activity level in your league up. But um, most people just don't want to grind. I mean, I, and I think that's true of anything in life. You know, that's your job or whatever personal goal you have. Um, most people just don't want to do that. They don't have the energy for it or they get bored if they don't have immediate success. And so if, if you know, again, it kind of goes back to a few minutes ago, if you're disciplined in your approach, here's the way that I'm going to play, then I'm going to hold to that. I'm going to be consistent about it. You're going to find success. I mean, dynasty or, or otherwise in life. And so, you know, I, I try to every single week, even in the off season, making sure I'm logging into every league, seeing what moves other people are making, finding out. You can find out right about now, actually, in, in a good league that's that's not dormant. Who thinks they're going to be a player in 2020, um, or who's going to who's going to be really active in 2020? Because you can see, you know, have they been cutting players just for the sake of doing it? Have they added anybody? Um, have any trades been made? You know, all of those things. And this is like simple stuff, but just a lot of people don't do it. Um, but when it comes to actually setting up your team, you know, I think you know one thing is just not being afraid to be patient, but don't be too patient. You know, if, if you got a player that's injury prone, and, but, you know, you really believed in your evaluation on him and, you know, what, we're two or three injuries in and he's got that sustained dynasty value, well, maybe you can go ahead and get out of that now. Um, why, like, why, why carry the risk? Um, and, you know, that same is true of rookies. Um, it's the same is true of older players. I talked about this on another, you know, recent pod. So, I mean, you know, 30-year-old wide receiver, okay, he might help me win next year, um, and he might have this value, but his, I know his value is never going up. I mean, he can be, he can be the wide receiver six next year. His, his value is never going up. So, you know, at every point that I trade him from now on, I will be getting less than I would if I sold today. Um, and I think that that's another thing um, that's really important is understanding when can I trade a player and get maximum return. And sometimes that's different from league to league to league. You know, I think broadly that's true. You know, I think running backs after the age of 25, a lot of people start getting scared, really scared at the age of 27. A lot of people start getting scared of wide receivers around age 29, 
you know, tight ends age 30. And, you know, that's, it's not universally true. And every league will be a little bit different. If you get in a league with a lot of guys, like from one website that are writing together and there's group think, you know, that might actually be something that's exploitable. So you want to talk about like a startup strategy, you get in a, in, in a startup where nobody is taking the players who are producing now. I mean, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go win the title this year. Then I'll worry about my rebuild. I'm going to go ahead and win my title now and pay for my next five years in the league when I tear my team down and rebuild it. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different strategies that can win. The main thing is committing to it. Um, and this is going to be my strategy with this team. You can't be willy-nilly about it because you will find yourself in that dangerous middle that you talked about if, if you're not committed to a certain way of building. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And as you were talking, it had me thinking about something that I, um, I responded to somebody on Twitter the other day. He asked, I forgot the gentleman's name, but he asked my strategy for finding sleepers, uh, sleeper running back prospects. And you said something that, really rung rung true to me a couple of years ago uh, during mini camp and, you know, OTAs and then training camp, I was following a beat reporter from the Denver Broncos because this was when the Royce Freeman hype was was sky high. Royce Freeman was going to be, you know, a third round pick in startup drafts. He's going to be the guy. And I kept hearing the name Philip Lindsay, Philip Lindsay, Philip Lindsay, this undrafted kid out of Colorado. And, you know, whether I believed he would become a back-to-back thousand-yard rusher or not, that would be disingenuous for me to say absolutely. But they were talking about this kid. And when I saw him in the preseason game, I'm like, man, he he might be something. But I went ahead and grabbed him off waivers for free because I heard the beat reporters keep talking about this guy. The same thing with Chris Carson in Seattle, this seventh-round pick from Oklahoma State. He runs really hard. You know, he didn't do it. He didn't he doesn't have the draft capital. He didn't have the name cachet. But following those beat reporters, it just it put me it made them go, the, the radar go off. And I just said, what what's the point? I can what the heck? I might as well pick them up, stick them on the taxi squad and we'll see. And then, you know, little did I know they became good NFL players. So I think that's a, a great point. And then something that really it bothers me. Curtis, and I, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I mean, heck, we, we did a deal, but sometimes winning the deal isn't what's most important, right? If if I've got a guy that I believe in and it's DJ Moore or whoever it is, I don't mind uh, taking a little bit of the L on the deal per the trade calculator. That doesn't bother me. I'd rather build a, a bridge and dynasty than burn them, right? I want to build trade relationships and trade partners. And if that means... I, you know, I lost a little bit of value at that moment, then that's fine. I'm not going to try to squeeze every single ounce ounce of juice out of out of a, a, another owner just so I can win the deal. I mean, what are you what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I'm really glad that you brought this up. I mean, first, I agree with with everything that you said there, um, but but I'll kind of dovetail into it. I mean, I, I actually th- I don't think winning the deal is really that important at all. Um, it's, you know, you, you can afford to lose, you know, that extra third round pick throw in or that one round worth of startup equivalent startup draft value in trades. If it helps you achieve, you know, your overall vision of what you need to be doing with your team right now. And if you get, I mean, it does not take very long to get, you know, 
a reputation as a guy that, you know, you just can't get a deal done with them. And then all of a sudden, you know, the doorbell is just not ringing for you anymore in that league. And then now you got to drill in another league and then you just get in this vicious cycle. I mean, it is, you know, I would even, you know, propose that it may make sense, especially in a new league, you know, to maybe agree to a deal that most would think is a loss for you um, just to encourage others to send offers to you. Um, take, take a small hit, you know, to win the long game and show people that, you know, you are somebody that can, uh, be haggled with. And, you know, I I do this all, I do this all the time. If you're going to go in on a, if you really believe in a guy enough to really trade for him, it's more important to just get him than anything. I mean, everything else is extraneous to that, that conversation. And so for me, like in our deal, I'll just use that as an example. I knew that I needed a blue chip producer if I was going to do damage in the playoffs. And even though DJ Moore was breaking out, and the, even though I wrote, you know, the DJ Moore breakout article this summer, I'm still trading him away. And he's a guy that I really believe in in the long term. But, you know, there wasn't a scenario where I saw him being a more valuable week-to-week asset than DeAndre Hopkins last year or probably even this year. And so that's what I needed. And you know what? You said, I'm going to need Keontae Ingram. And that was the thing that hung up our deal, actually, for a couple hours. But ultimately, I needed what I needed. And that that's an instance where you know what you probably you probably won uh, because you got the guy that you needed. But you know next time you know the roles might be reversed and I might get you know what I need because we've shown each other that we can negotiate uh, in each other's mutual best interest. So um, you know in terms of winning the deal, you know and this is something that I get. You know you see Twitter polls. You know would you do this? You know I get DMs. I get people adding me on the timeline. I get people in Dynasty Command Center. You know close the deal. If 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 this trade if this trade was important enough for you to even ask me the question about it, you know, close the deal. If you feel so unsure about doing the deal that you're going to go ask and tag fifty analysts and see what they all say, and you got to get a tally mark on your piece of paper, and twenty six analysts said yes, and eight didn't respond, and I mean, then don't make that deal because you're only doing it because somebody else told you, and your gut is that this wasn't good enough to accept. And so, you know, I think if, if more people played like that, I mean, they'd probably have a little bit more fun in their dynasty leagues um, as well. And so, you know, that is ultimately what, you know, we play to win, but the reason we originally were attracted to the game is because we thought we might have some fun. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just, I'll tell you right now, and, and when that happens, Curtis, and it's not about uh, collusion or any of that stuff, but when that happens, there's like a good faith element where if you came back to me next time, you know what I mean? And the deal looked like it was slightly in your favor. Sometimes you just say, what the heck with it? We, we've done we've done business before. Let's just get this done. It's a guy I want. You can have the extra third, whatever. Let's get it done. So, and I'll just say this because it happened to me today. The way I do not do business, I will shut it down is the, this is what I've got. Can you beat this offer? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, will you sure. be a bigger sucker than this other yeah, guy? Yeah. yeah. Can I? <laughs> sure. Will I? Absolutely not. And good night. Like I'm not, I had one of those today. Can you beat this offer? Yeah. I, yes, I can, but I will not. So you, you can have, have at it. So, um, wanted to get your thoughts though, kind of shifting gears to a more, uh, holistic approach in football in general. And I just want to know your thoughts on the state of the NFL game and its evolution, right? It's changing. The NFL that we watch on TV today is, it's a far cry from what it was 
10 years ago, you know, you've got these dual threat QBs, you've got RB committees all over the place. And the days of the 30 carry bell cow running back seem to be gone. You've got base wide receiver, base offensive sets with three, four wide receivers and one back, no fullback, no tight ends. And these college coaching philosophies, I mean, how do you take the changes to the game into play when you're building your team, when you're looking at Let's just say the traditional quarterback that you probably wouldn't take in any other year. And you've got a you've got another guy like Jalen Hurts coming out. But if he lands in the right situation, could he potentially be something? I don't know, but I do know the NFL game is changing. So we have to adjust our draft strategy and roster construction as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, man, there there's a lot, there's a lot in there to respond to. So uh we'll start with the quarterback. I mean, you know. I think that the the dual threat of the quarterback position, I mean, that's something that's really gained a lot of support in the fantasy community, fantasy Twitter, you know, uh, Rich Rebar, uh, you know, in a very fun manner, coined it, you know, the Konami code, you know, the, the old Contra uh, code to get infinite lives. And, you know, that, that basically, it, I mean, it's the reason that somebody like Josh Allen is, even relevant in in fantasy football. It's the reason that Lamar Jackson can, you know, in a year where there was a lot of other good quarterback play, just completely lap the field. I mean, when when you get some of these guys that have, you know, not even the guys that are just going to take what's there, the guys that actually can create rushing yards for themselves, I mean, you're basically playing a quarterback two plus a running back two in the same spot, even if they're not a great passer. And, you know, Lamar Jackson could throw some touchdowns, but he wasn't racking up passing yards this year. I mean, in very few scenarios was he really doing much of that. So, um, but, but yeah, he's the runaway, you know, QB1. And so, you know, I think as we look to the next few years, you know, looking for Kyler Murray to add more of that element, you know, to his game, then he might even be more of a take what's there when it's there. But those guys can be extremely, extremely valuable. I mean, that's kind of what Cam Newton has become you know, toward the, the back half of his career. Uh, it's kind of what Russell Wilson has always been. Um, and it always just, at the end of the year, well, he only threw 28 touchdowns. Oh, well, he was quarterback seven. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think that's going away. I think eventually we're going to reach like critical mass to where, you know, there's more than a dozen of these guys. Uh, and it, it really isn't going to matter because everyone's going to be able to own one and it's only going to matter in super flex. So, um, I think that's that's really interesting, and, and you know, then eventually, NFL defenses will catch up, and they'll start drafting outside linebackers differently, or you know, committing their safeties in a different way, and then offense reinvents itself all over again. And so that's that's what we see, you know, decade to decade. But kind of moving on to the the running back committees, I mean, I think this is one of the biggest leverage points in fantasy, you know, right now. I mean, uh, running back uh, committees are the reason that. It takes people half a year to catch up to Austin Eckler, you know, being PPR, you know, running back four. And, uh, you know, I mean, he had, let me, I'm just going to put you on the spot because I know you won't care. Uh, How many rushing attempts do you think Austin Eckler had in 2019 as the running back four? Um, 186. 132. 132. I mean, he didn't even, yeah, he did. He he barely rushed the ball eight times a game, and he's the fourth most valuable running back in fantasy. So if you don't think that a, a, a skill based running back, who who really, I mean, 
I mean, that was a 50-50 timeshare for all intents and purposes, but he had the high-value touches. And so that's a leverage point for Dynasty. You know, you get a guy like, uh, oh, Max Borgie, you know, catching a lot, of, a lot of balls early on in his career. You know, you got to, you know, people were a little slow, but I don't see many people slow on that now. He looks like he's kind of a consensus top 20 uh, Debbie asset. But I think you got to start looking at those types of things. You know, who is being used in a certain way? And call it Jalen Samuels. You know, he's popped a couple times in the NFL, but was a hybrid type player uh, at NC State. And that type of skill set, you know, I, I think offensive coordinators now see as something I can leverage on these little cute routes out of the backfield. And, and quarterbacks love that. It's almost in some ways become, you know, five, 10 years ago, we would always say a tight end was a quarterback's best friend. Uh, young quarterback's best friend. It kind of was proven not to be true. People actually wrote fantasy articles about that. But that's the way it felt a lot of times watching football. And I, I think that's becoming true of these passing down outlets. And as more and more and more offensive coordinators start using data to drive decisions and they see that passing the ball is going to lead to more points for their team and they see that passing the ball is a more efficient use of a play call, uh, this is this type of stuff that you're going to see. If I don't want to take a shot, you know, on a 15-yard in on first down, well, you know, maybe I'm going to run a circle for seven yards and then set myself up for for second and short. And so, you know, Austin Eckler, 2019, it might not be him next year, but there's going to be, you know, it was Alvin Kamara a couple years before that. There's going to be these low uh, rushing attempt guys near the tippy top of fantasy standings every year uh, until defenses, you know figure out a way uh, to stop this type of attack. When you're, when you're looking at like teams like the Rams, so we talked about the dual threat quarterbacks and running back committees, these three and four wide receiver sets, I mean, I, I really noticed it with the, with the Rams, with Robert Woods, with Cooper Cup, and with Brandon Cooks. And it seems like, I mean, even, even in that situation, not so much in 2019, but in 2018, all three of those guys were valuable. You've got the Cardinals with Cliff Kingsbury. I know it didn't work out as planned this year with Christian Kirk, Fitzgerald, but they drafted, what, three wide receivers in, in the draft last year. I mean, it, it seems like this spread and tread offense, I don't know if it's here to stay. I don't know if it's here to stay, but you've got Joe Brady from LSU with the Carolina Panthers now. You've got Cliff in year two. You've got Matt Rule from Baylor as the head coach in Carolina. You've got these 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 high school and here's the thing I, I live in Texas Curtis right outside of Dallas and high school football is huge here and I see a lot of what's happening on Friday nights transfer to Saturdays and then what's happening on Saturdays finding its way into the NFL so even when I'm looking at wide receivers I'm thinking you know what in a startup draft you know I might miss on DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams but Later on, I can get Curtis Samuel. I can get a Robbie Anderson. I can get one of these guys, a, a Marvin Jones, later that, heck, any given week, they can give you wide receiver one production. Yeah, you can, man, I love all your questions because I never can figure out the first thing that I want to respond to. Uh, that's, that's, there's such an interesting time. So, first, uh, I'm an Ohio boy, so I mean, I think you know, if we just added California and Florida, in, we'd have what 90% of the relevant high school players, right? So um, you know, that's fun. That's fun. So um, okay, so I want to go back right to the beginning of that that segment first, and you talk about you know NFL teams with three relevant wide receivers, and so this is you know, it, it's not this simple, but it kind of is this simple. 
you know, if you've got a team where it had where they've got truly, they have three relevant pass catchers. Um, in Dynasty, I'd probably prefer to invest in that quarterback um, and let other people own those wide receivers, unless it's a very deep starting lineup league. You know, but if it's a start nine or ten league, I don't want to be guessing who's going to get the touchdown or the long play. You know, each week, you know, there, there's there might be one target hog out of the group that's you know a, head, a little head above uh, the other two guys, but that's not always the case. And I think you know you could do a lot worse than. Uh, Owning Jared Goff and super super flex right now. He's got three straight years as a top 13 quarterback. And, you know, he didn't have the year this year that he did in 20, 2018, but Jared Goff didn't lose you your super flex league last year. Um, and, if, you know, and it would avoid you the headache of, of knowing who was going to go off between this year was really Cup and Woods kind of alternating because Cook's, you know, concussions problems, unfortunately, uh, or Higby adding in. But that, you know, and then you go get a receiver, you know, from a team. Uh, that maybe their quarterback hasn't fully unlocked the usefulness of all those weapons and he just drives it to his alpha. You know, that's the receivers that we want. And so, um, you know, that's something that if you apply that broadly, you probably win more times than you lose. In best ball, you know, of course we want those guys from those high-variance offenses and and you want those, you know, any of those receivers uh, from that three-wide receiver set because you know they could win a week uh, if it is their time to shine. But um, you know, the high school and college and football thing, it, it, it's really a shame that it takes the NFL so long to adopt some of these next level principles, but you, know, you got to think about it from what's on the line for the coach, right? So in high school, I've got to, I've got to devise something so unique and so different, um, in order to make my team stand out, right? Cause there's, at the beginning of the season, even in a state like Texas, I'm guessing at every level of ball, there's realistically, what, four or five teams maybe that could win the title that year, right? And so, I mean, and I, I'm going to guess it's not unlike that in any state across the country. And you're talking about, you know, probably, you know, a couple hundred teams in a division in a, a huge state like Texas. And so if I'm going to break into that, and I'm not one of these private schools that's doing all this pseudo recruiting and everything, I need something really unique, and, and if that thing sticks, then the college teams take notice. And you know what? There's over 100 uh, Division I schools, and in any given year, there's probably four to six teams that have a chance to win the title based on talent alone and, and the age of their, their studs and where their coach is at in his career and how he's feeling himself. If I want to break into it, i got to have that cheat code. And it's either a player who's so good at what he does that no one can guard him, or i got to do something unique. And, and that's, that's where we get the air raid from. That's where we got all these spread principles from. Get all these guys on an island and spread it out and find space. Then it neutralizes, you know, these, uh, these stout defenses. And then, but in the NFL, in the NFL where we have extreme parity, does it behoove me as a coach when I have a job locked down for six, seven, ten million dollars a year to go implement some risky system? It, it does not. Because if I flop, I'm out and I might get that contract paid out. But if I flop miserably, that second chance may never come. And if I do the low risk thing and I'm around 500 and I just get a few bounces during the season to make the playoffs, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, even if it's not every year, every couple years, you know, I'm the Seattle Seahawks or I'm the Mike McCarthy, uh, Green Bay Packers. And I just, I just hang on. And, you know, I think sometimes, unfortunately for many NFL teams, the goal is not actually to win the Super Bowl. 
um, they would all tell you that it is. But I think the first and foremost, the goal is uh, for you know the the coaching staff and the GM to stay employed because if you tra- if you saw true synergy between NFL front offices and head coaches, we would see more risk uh, being taken in the NFL. Look at what happened with uh, was it Chip Kelly a couple of years ago, and he implemented that system, and uh, it worked early, and then it flamed out miserably. And I, I doubt we see Chip Kelly coaching an NFL team again. You had Bobby Petrino quit on the Falcons. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's, I, I get it. And you would like for a lot of us sitting back, we, we say, well, why can't everybody just do what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson? Why, you know, why can't, that is, you said true synergy. They committed to that process. And for the most part, it worked. I mean, when the leading receiver is a tight end and the receivers aren't getting, I mean, that that takes true buy-in from the top down that we are not really going to target our receivers. We're going to run the ball and we're going to throw to our tight ends. And this is the style of offense we're going to play. And again, for the most part, it it worked for the Ravens. Now, it's easy to look at Jalen Hurts or any of these guys and say, well, if they could just do the same thing. I don't know if it's like you said. I, don't, I just don't know if it's that it's, it's as simple as we'd like to think. Even though it seems like it, it, it could be, I think it's a little more difficult than just that. Oh, it's it's absolutely more difficult than that. I mean, let's pick. I mean, let's pick. Uh, I mean, if Lamar Jackson was, let's stick him in like the worst spot possible here. If Lamar Jackson had been. I don't know, in Jacksonville uh, this past year, or if he had been, uh, let me think of just what was the absolute worst situation. I mean, I, I mean, if you gave him Adam, if, if Adam Gase, if Adam Gase was Lamar Jackson's coach last year, now Adam Gase has created some fantasy studs, but I mean, are the Jets the, you know, the, this runaway uh, freight train that no one can stop? I mean, the Ravens were willing to embrace what their star player does does best and let him do that as often as possible. And I think that's the other thing that maybe you would see from that high school dynamic is there are so few players playing on that extra plane that you can, you know, you can devise a scheme around this one or two special things that this guy does and and it's a game changer. I mean, we even kind of saw this with Derrick Henry finally this year, right? I mean, Derrick Derrick Henry, I mean, what he, what do he have? He had like 50 or 60 touchdowns or something his senior year. I mean, it was just an insane. I mean, he had like 400 rushing yard games. I mean, it. this guy was literally just so big and fast and strong that people couldn't tackle him. That The same happens to still be true even at the NFL level. But no one was willing up until this year truly just to commit, well, we're just going to feed him uh, and we're going to make sure that, that our line is sound in their processes and we're going to make sure we have a quarterback that actually will take some risks because without the quarterback that takes risks, that scheme doesn't necessarily work, right? Because I'm just going to load on up and Henry never has any space. And then so when you get Mariota out of there, then you got a quarterback that fits what you're trying to do with that matchup. It all kind of unlocked and the, and the Titans had a great year. So, um, man, that that is that is such an interesting topic. I mean, we probably do a whole series uh, of, sh- of shows on on, uh, on schemes from every level and what we would like to see and, and what the differences are, are, are that are being made and how analytics even plays into some of that a little bit, Ray. 
Well, you know, uh, uh, you know, Curtis, people of everybody who's listening to the show, they're probably enjoying this information. But, you know, it's rookie draft season. So all they care about is the top five uh, position players and who do I need to draft in my rookie draft. So I know on the show sheet, I said, give me your top five running backs, top five wide receivers. But I'm going to switch it up on you a little bit. I just want you to give me a couple of your favorite running backs out of the top five. Uh, that doesn't matter where they land. You're all aboard. You're 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 drafting this player wherever. Just so a couple of your favorite running backs, a couple of your favorite wide receivers, and they only have to be out of your top five. Just in the 2020 class in general, who are some guys that you are willing to plant the Curtis Patrick flag on right now? Oh wow, man, that is fun. Yes. That is that's really fun. Yes. Okay, so 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 number one, and I think I think we differ on this guy a little bit, but I've seen you clarify your position after a bunch of Twitter trolls kind of came at you about it. I, I think I saw you say that maybe you weren't quite as high on Jonathan Taylor as a couple of your other tier one guys at one point, um, but that you still think he's elite. He's just not way up at the top for yes. you. He's way up at the top right. there for me. Um, and and he's, my, he's my 101 right now. I do have a, a, a tier one whoa, that whoa, I can see. Order- whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. What's that? What's that? One oh one, like one oh one, like number one. Number one. Number one. Okay, go ahead. Jonathan go Taylor, ahead. my number go one. Ahead. Okay, uh, now my number one. I've got a tier one of running backs that consists of Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and J.K. Dobbins. I think that they're all going to do great in the NFL Combine, but I think there's some really specific things that we'll be looking for there in terms of uh, forty time. Uh, that's going to give us um, some speed scores that we know are very important at the running back uh, position. You know, combine is actually really not that important for wide receivers. Uh, we always want to think that it is, but for running back, running backs in particular, the combine is very important. Uh, it, it sorts out the guys who are likely to be hits to guys who, well, maybe if if the ball bounces right, they could be a hit. And so, you know, Jonathan Taylor is going to be age twenty one rookie. That's a huge uh, checkbox for them. You know. Uh, at Rotoviz, we know that uh, you know running backs that that play at a younger age uh, that declare you know early they were very productive throughout their career. Uh, those are all good things. And then when you add the combine and the draft pedigree on top, you know he's going to have all the ingredients of the special sauce. DeAndre Swift is also young, doesn't check all the production boxes necessarily that Taylor or Dobbins did. But there's context, right? That's people don't understand. There's context, <laughs> and so I'm not one of these analytics guys that just says. The numbers are this, and this model says that, and so I just apply that no matter what without fail because I understand that when you play at a school that gave us Nick Chubb, that gave us Sony Michelle, who hasn't really been a hit in the NFL but was a very good college back, you know, I understand that you're not going to get the touches early, and you're not like J.K. Dobbins who only had to beat out Mike Weber as a freshman. I understand that that's different, and DeAndre Swift could have a very different career at another uh, another school, right. even another Power Five school, even in the same conference. So, you know, I'm willing to say, you know what? All the film guys love DeAndre Swift, and when he did get his full chance, he looked pretty good, and his numbers were okay. And he's going to check these <laughs> other boxes. You know what? He still belongs in this tier, even though he doesn't have. You know, if, if I was just married to the analytics, I would probably have to say that Taylor and Dobbins were in a tier above Swift, but that's not who I am, and that's not what I'm doing. Um, but I do think, you know, landing spot. Um, could ultimately be the you know the key to the puzzle of those three guys. Those are the three that I say are my tier one because I think they're all going to be gone by the end of round two at the absolute latest. Yeah. And you know they can all catch a ball a little bit. And so 
do any of them land with just you know a stud quarterback uh, that is just taking that team up and down the field and is going to unlock all that touchdown scoring potential? Do any of them land in an absolute just barn fire of a yeah. situation? Um, and so you know that's why it's fun that we can keep planting these flags. But for me, Jonathan Taylor, you know he he's just done it from day one, and he might not have like that one thing that he does that is like so, you know, Swift has that one cut, right? Yeah. So Swift is, it, his one cut is just so awesome. And Taylor doesn't necessarily have that one thing, but you know what? Taylor has pretty good stiff arm and Taylor has pretty good spin move and Taylor has a pretty good shuffle. And he was so productive and everyone knew they're going to run the ball and it didn't matter. And he actually looked really great uh, in some of these big time games. And when he got a second shot against Ohio State, he looked awesome. You know, he figured it out and the team figured it out. So, you know, I, I am a, a Jonathan Taylor 101 guy. I haven't seen a lot of people be on him as their 101, but that, that's where I'm at. You know, I think these guys are so close. I'm going to go with the guy with the, the most impressive production profile, the guy who looks like athletically, I mean, somewhat of a Saquon Barkley clone in that, in that uh, regard. We'll have to see exactly where he uh, shapes up at the combine for that. Um, and then a little bit further down the list, you know, I've seen you you talk a lot about Clyde Edwards Hilaire yes. and we got to see a lot more of him. And yes. he, you know, when we're talking about committee backs, right? He doesn't need to even if you're if you wanted to argue with me that he was going to be a three-down back, that's fine. Cause I don't even care if you're right or wrong on that. He looks so good catching the ball. Yeah. He could he could be one of those guys that has an, a 2019 Austin Eckler type season at some point in his fantasy career. And so that's why a guy like that, he belongs firmly in your round one if you haven't caught up. I mean, he needs to be in your round one of your draft board. Um, a little bit further down, this is kind of a compiler type guy, um, but I think if he lands if he lands in a situation like a Tennessee that wanted to establish you know, some power football, he could be you know, a borderline running back one and give us some running back two seasons for a couple years is Zach Moss. Now, Zach Moss doesn't check the age box for me, but Zach Moss, Zach Moss can do a little bit of everything. He doesn't have a glaring hole in his skill set other than probably lacking that breakaway speed. But he can do a little bit of everything uh, to my eyes. And you know, he, he was very productive, uh, very good at actually punching it in from inside the five, um, had a high conversion rate. So those are the types of guys, that, what can they do something well? Yeah. You know, he might be able to be a guy that he scores a couple touchdowns early and then he gets the larger role and he can catch a ball well enough that he's fantasy relevant for a little bit. So I want to pause there on running backs because you look like you wanted to say something at the beginning of that with Jonathan Taylor. And then we can talk wide receivers after that. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm listening. I love Jonathan Taylor. I, I think he is truly the best pure running back in the class. Just you give him the rock and just let him run. I don't think there's anybody better. I think J.K. Dobbins is fantastic. I love, I, I really, I'm trying to model my roster construction game after, you know, players like Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley and those running backs that I, I've always said, Curtis, there's a difference between a running back who can catch passes and a running back who can be deployed as a pass catching weapon. I think Jonathan Taylor can catch passes. I do. I, I don't think you have to take him off of the field on third down but I don't think he can be deployed as a pass catching weapon like DeAndre Swift. So when I'm trying to differentiate the two, can, De can DeAndre Swift run between the tackles? Yes. 
can he be deployed as a pass catching weapon? I mean, his whole entire freshman season, there were plays where he was split out wide. He played in the slot. Um, I, I want that sort of uh, flexibility and those valuable touches that we talked about with Austin Eckler. Uh, again, I'm not saying that Jonathan Taylor can't do that. And I'm not even there. Are a lot of people out there who I've seen the um, his his amount of carries, the volume, the workload that he has. I'm not as concerned about that. Uh, me personally, when I'm drafting running backs, if I can get one contract out of a guy, then I feel good. Anything after year four, year five, that's gravy on on top of it for me. If I can get four or five years, I'm good to go. And then if you're telling me I've got a low end RB two for the rest of his career. That's fine. I, I'm not really worried about that. I'm not as concerned about the fumbles. I just want a pass catching weapon type running back in this new age NFL offense. Yeah, I mean that that makes a lot of sense. And and I think most people probably are going that direction in Dynasty. It's almost like that zero RB mentality is permeating into Dynasty right now. But I think we can also go a little bit, I think we can sometimes force ourselves to believe our takes um sometimes to our own detriment and and the reason i'm saying that is you know being deployed as a pass catch pass catching weapon only matters if he lands in the right spot for that right so last year there were like two backs in that tier one that we thought could be deployed in that manner okay miles sanders was one and josh jake and josh jacobs was one right and josh jake josh jacobs Many people argued that he was the best pass catching back in the class and he was going to be the slot guy. Josh Jacobs didn't sniff any target share in Oakland. And it's be and and it, and it's not because they didn't throw to the running back. They targeted running backs over a hundred times last year and he got he didn't even get a third of the work. And so, you know, scheme matters and landing spot matters. And if so, if you show me a guy that I know, I know will get the touches on first and second down, and I know he profiles as a goal line back. And I know he can also catch the ball. I mean, I think you can also propose that somebody who is such a good runner as Jonathan Taylor and doesn't look like receiving is a minus in his game. You know, it's going to be easy for him to find a season like what Leonard, I mean, Leonard Fournette didn't catch passes in college. Melvin Gordon didn't pa- catch passes in college. They've figured it out in the pros. I mean, Leonard Fournette, I mean, what did he catch? What did he catch this year? What did he have this year? He had 76. Leonard Fournette had 100 targets this year. 100. No one would have ever predicted Leonard Fournette to have 100 targets coming out of school. No one. When he got 48 his rookie year, it was considered a win. And so, you know, I mean, I think we, we have to be open to the idea that guys can have an expanding skill set and they don't have – it would be awesome if they were a differentiator. It would be awesome if they were. But even if they're not a differentiator in that category, as long as they're not a minus that has to come off the field, I think it's still I think it's still okay. And so that's why you know that's why at this point in the process, not knowing landing spot, not knowing draft capital, that's why I am where I am. But I I understand where you're coming from too, because if you see him and you're like, look, I know he's going to be used like Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara, and I if if he lands with Kansas City, he's going to be you know, you're you're seeing like best case scenario of what could happen with this guy, and I totally understand it. Well, you make a good point, and I think sometimes we do need to pump the brakes because as much as we like to think that 
NFL offenses are just black and white, right? First down, second down, they take them off of the field. It doesn't happen like that. We've even seen Derrick Henry in there third downs, catching a couple of screen passes a game, things of that nature. So I don't, even if Jonathan Taylor's target share isn't what DeAndre Swift's potential could be in the NFL, he's going to catch passes. He's going to be on the field on third down situations. He is going to get the goal line work. He does profile as a early down, you know, definitely I'm going to get the ball. So um, that that's why, honestly, he's my, he's in my tier one of running backs. So depending on where these guys land, uh, it, where they land and when they land is going to be sort of the X factor for me. You know, I love Swift. I love Dobbins. I'm a big Cam Akers guy, you know. Um, so, de- so depending on where some of these guys land, uh, it's, it's going to be uh, big for me. But I, I'm going to I'm going to ask you, and I'm skipping around here, but I'm just going to play a little game of would you rather with Jonathan Taylor since that's your running back one. Um, And we're using uh, DLF's um, Dynasty Running Back Rankings. So let me just ask you, would you rather Jonathan Taylor or James Conner? Oh, Jonathan Taylor. Easy, right? Yeah. The first ones have got to be easy. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Taylor or without knowing landing spot, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Uh, we, we, we don't know. We don't know the landing spot for either one of those guys. Right. That, that's very true. Yeah. That's very true. JT or Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, JT or Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor. All right, so now he's inside of your top 12, according to DLF, without knowing landing spot. So let's have some fun. JT or Miles Sanders? Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Now he's a top eight running back for you. Uh, JT, let's just go with seven, Joe Mixon. I I still have Jonathan Taylor there. And I, was, I, don't, know, I don't know what DLF's ADP looks like to the date, but I, I'll tell you where I would have him right now is I would have him right in a tier of my dynasty running back, six, seven, eight. He'd be right in there, depending on landing spot, with Chubb, Fournette, and Henry. That's where I've got him. Okay. Uh, we've got, uh, let's just go from eight. It's Henry, Mixon, Chubb, Cook, Elliott, Kamara, Barkley, McCaffrey. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. We've got, we've got Fournette 10th, so it's right around. Okay. He will not, yeah, he's not sniffing that top five of guys. Right now, we okay. can't we can't do that. We haven't seen you know we can't price in all the upside. I mean, we're not going to do that, right? We got to yeah. leave some room. Um, but I think you know I, I think he could come in just as Nick Chubb did and be a year one thousand yard rusher. Offense realizes it needs to build itself around him. Uh, type of guy that does not have to come off the field catches forty balls. I mean, I think he he could do what we wanted last year's backs to do. He can be a twenty seventeen NFL rookie class type of guy, the year one Kareem Hunt type of guy, the year one Christian McCaffrey type of guy, except scores a touchdown, you know, that type of, that type of media impact. All right. Well, I'm going to make the people go over to Rotoviz and follow you on Twitter if they're not to find out your top five wide receivers, but just give me your favorite wide receiver in this class. My, my favorite. Okay. So this is, this is, he's also my wide receiver one, but again, you know, it's within a tier, Right. My guy is Jalen Rager, man. That's my guy. Jalen Rager is my guy. Uh, if I could jump through the computer and kiss you right now, I'm telling <laughs> the people who are listening, I mean, I would kiss you 
right now. I don't care if my wife hears it. I, I, I am elated. Take your time. Go ahead, brother. Okay. So, so some of the things that, that I've really tried to take notice of uh, when looking at wide receivers are things like breakout age, like declaring early, like having a young rookie age. And, you know, people, if they, if they want to get to the point of not talking about market share with Rager and they're talking about raw production, Jalen Rager played with six quarterbacks in three years. Six quarterbacks, do you, were any of them, and none of them were good. If any of them were good, he wouldn't have played with six, okay? So um, when you break out at age 19 and you're relevant at age 18 and you manage a career dominator rating of 30% in the abysmal offense that is Texas Christian, and when you are the guy that, here's, here's, here's the thing. So in your Devi draft right now, Ray, he's, I mean, you're a rookie pick for you in this in this draft, but what's going to happen to Jalen Rager's stock in the next 30 days is he's going to go to the combine. He's going to go to the combine and just set it ablaze. He's going to murder the comp. People are not going to, if, if they don't expect Jalen Rager coming there, I mean, it's just going to sneak up on them and, and punch them right in the face. I mean, this is going to be the type of rise that we saw for DJ Moore a couple years ago. Um, that happens like uh, mid okay. mid rookie draft cycle, and all of a sudden he's a consensus mid first round, early to mid first round pick. Whereas most ranking sets that I see for him right now are more back end of the first, you know, first second turn. Um, I mean, not for me, man. I've got him. I got him at four. He's my number one guy right after those top three running backs, Ray Curtis. I. I have tears in my eyes, tears of joy, because I felt like I was on this thing uh, on an island here with Jalen Rager. And a lot of people who don't look at market share look at his down 2019 season. But I'm telling you from somebody who went to multiple TCU games this year, it was evident who the best player on that team was. It was evident who the best player in that field was. When I say there was a, I, I charted it, there was, there were, I think, three games in 2019 where the quarterback didn't complete a pass until the six-minute mark in the second quarter. I mean, it was abysmal. <laughs> and um, oh, man. Uh, and just a couple of fun yeah. facts about Rager. At one point in time in his high school career, he had the furthest long jump in the United States of America. A football guy just playing track. He, I mean, that type of explosion, he's got the pedigree. His father was a second-round NFL draft pick. The kid is going to, I know everybody thinks Henry Ruggs is going to run the fastest time. Uh, Jalen Rager's acceleration is ridiculous. Uh, recruiting analytics timed his play from his freshman season against Stanford uh, at 22.6 miles an hour. And that would have been the fastest time according to NFL Next Gen Stats in the NFL this year. Uh, I, I don't care that he's not a defined route runner at this point in time. He'll learn it. He'll figure it out at the next level. What he can do with the ball in his hands as a playmaker in the receiving game, in the punt return game, uh, running the ball, he reminds me, and I've said this all throughout the season, he reminds me of a more explosive version of Percy Harvin. And a lot of people think about that and say, what, Percy? Go back to the season when Percy Harvin had a quarterback and what he did for the Vikings before the migraines and the, and the head injuries took a hold of him. But 
he, I, I am a huge Jalen Rager fan, so that makes me very happy to hear you talk about that, and uh, I, I just love it. <clears throat> let, let me tell you who he – and this is the type of upside that I think he has, by the way. And I like the Percy Harvin comp because I like the quick – I mean, so I'm not a film guy, but when there thing, if you watch enough football – I mean, there are guys that you see that they just pop, right? They just have like this electric nature to them. But his style of play and what I think he could be is it's almost like he's angry Odell Beckham Jr. Angry Odell Beckham Jr. Like imagine if Odell like played like an alpha on every play. Like that's kind of what I think Jalen Rager could be. And I mean, they're very, they're very similar in size too. Yes. Jalen's an even be- Jalen's uh, a better athlete yes. than than Odo Beckham Jr. too. Um, not, I mean, I don't think his hands are quite there yet, but I mean, he's going to be able to get open yeah. that way. I mean, Jalen Ra- Jalen Rager will be making DBs look silly in year one. Um, that's that's for sure. So, but you know, five eleven, almost two hundred pounds, close enough to it. You know, he's got that elevated BMI yeah. at being under six foot. You know, he's a muscular guy, um, just aggressive. I mean, it's it's like. It's like if Odell Beckham Jr. had Tyreek Hill's mentality yes. or something like that. You know, it's it's just, you know, and I'm not, you know, I, and hey, range of possible outcomes. This is a receiver that could put up stats like those guys down the road. I'm not saying he's going to be that. Don't I mean, don't draft him with that in right. mind. He can hit with, with a lot lower outcome than any of those. He would still be a win. But I'm just saying, like, this is, this is a difference-making player. And I think the combine is what he's going to need from being in that smaller school, from not having the big stats, from not being like a Bolitnikov uh, shortlist guy preseason. Um, that's he's going to need that combine to shoot him up the list. But man, I think the NFL will be in love with Jalen Rager more even than uh, you know the dynasty community. Curtis, I, th- that's that's it. That is the show. I couldn't have asked to go out on a better player. This time, I just want you to take it. I, we we thank you for coming by the DDP, but please, I know you've got a lot of good stuff cooking in your world, so please tell the people where they can find you, your work, what you're working on, new projects, why we need to check you in, and just plug your plug everything you got going on. All right. Well, thanks for having me on, Ray. It's been, been a blast. I hope we can do this again sometime. Um, you can follow, if you know, if you're on Twitter, I know not everyone's on Twitter, but if you are on Twitter and you don't follow me, uh, my handle's at CPatrickNFL. Um, you can find all my writing and analysis over at Rotoviz. That's R-O-T-O-V-I-Z.com, Rotoviz.com. Uh, we are really, really committing um, to building out our, our Dynasty tool set this year. Some really cool things coming in terms of, of apps, especially for the FFPC platform. If you like to play the high-stakes Dynasty, if you like to actually put some real jack on the line, um, and that's what makes it fun, right? That's what makes it real fun. Um, so, uh, you know, check us out over there. What we've got going right now is the Dynasty Command Center Rookie Guide, and that's going to drop later this week, actually, Ray. Uh, we're doing some of the final graphic edits on there. You'll be able to see my full ranking set along with Sean Siegel, who, I mean, we are not worthy. I mean, Sean Siegel, you know, if, if you are an analytics guy in the industry uh, or you prescribe to that, maybe you're not an analyst, but you like analytics, and you play that way, and you don't know who Sean Siegel is, you just need to go ahead and, and look him up. 
Um, he's the guy that invented the idea of the breakout age and that we should measure them at 30% dominator instead of 20%. And there's all this math that goes behind that. You got to read his stuff, but he's got his ranks in there. And TJ Calkins, who's one of the best practical application dynasty guys in the industry, his rankings are in there. And Blair Andrews, Travis May, my dynasty command center podcast partner, his rankings are in there. So the five of us, you can see our averages. We're going to have tiers, rankings. We got write-ups on every metric you can think of in that guide we've got four round rookie drafts the deep rookie drafts this early in the process for ppr super flex tight end premium we're going to show everybody the love Um, it's going to be a really great thing it's only five bucks an issue guys five bucks an issue Uh, so you you pay 14.99 you get all three issues directly to your email as soon as they drop you can check that out at rotaviz.com just click on 2020 rookie guide at the top of the page and then the last thing is you you got to if you like these creamy tones, okay? If you like listening to this voice and, and you want to you wanna hear me wax rhapsodic about Dynasty uh, over a bourbon a couple times a week, you know, you've, you've got to listen to the Dynasty Command Center podcast. Travis May, uh, who is a very, very smooth podcaster himself, um, he's my partner on that. And, uh, you know, you can follow that podcast on Twitter at Dynasty Command. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Destination Debbie podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. One more time to our guest, Curtis Patrick, who came by to spit some knowledge, to have some fun, uh, to talk about some trades, to talk some strategies. We can't thank Curtis enough. I can't thank you guys enough for listening to the show and making it the best doggone Debbie show in the world. I couldn't do it without you. And if you feel like this is valuable information, if this is the best Debbie show that you can listen to to help you, not just in your Debbie leagues, but Dynasty Rookie Drafts as well, subscribe to it. Please smash that subscribe button. And if you are feeling generous, leave a rating and review. I ain't going to tell you what star to leave. I, I would like five. You can leave five. But seriously, your feedback is very, very much appreciated, welcome, and wanted. So I appreciate you guys, every listening ear. You know, I I start rambling at this point in in the show as smooth as I am. I have no clue how to close it out. So I'm going to just say what comes next. Dropping music. 